0: Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which which we're recording this program and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome, this is a very special radio interview at Mojo News and today we're going to talk about sustainable development. And we have a very special guest, uh, Isabel Jumaguire. Welcome, Isabel.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. Now Isabel works at Monash and she works at the Sustainable Development Institute. Um would you like to just elaborate on what you do and your title?
1: Yes, yeah, sure I think So I'm a project coordinator at the Monash Sustainable Development Institute and a part of my role there in the strategy and engagement team is that I'm the youth network coordinator of the Sustainable Development Solutions Network across Australia, New Zealand and the Pacific. So it's a really fun role. Um, excited to be here.
0: Exciting. Now before we start recording we actually had some interview with some Monash students about sustainable development goals and we ask them what they think they are. We're just going to listen to that and then we can talk about it more.
1: Perfect. So, do you know what the sustainable development goals are? Yes, we've been learning it in a few of my subjects this semester. It's good they're incorporating it into the finance world. I know there's zero poverty and there's a a wide range of sustainability in regards to the environment, social aspects. Governments, the 17, and the overall goal for the net emissions by 2030. Do you think that those goals are achievable? Well, from the finance perspective, it's good. We've seen an integrated into sustainability reporting. I don't know if it's very achievable, but it's good a lot of corporations are incorporating these goals within their strategies and business objectives. I do know about them. They're a part of our uh, what we study at uni, and um, it's about how to um, save our planet And um, one of the things is to reuse our plastics and for example instead of using a a same old uh, paper cup when you order coffee you get your own coffee mug from home. And those small things I feel have a big impact on our planet Uh, and they start by the small things like also recycling the bins at the end of the day. Do you think by 2030 it will be achievable? I really don't know. I can't predict it. All I can do is do the things I can do personally and uh, tell my friends to do the same.
0: Now, uh, what do you think about that? How accurate were they in describing the Sustainable Development Goals?
1: That was so special. I loved that. Um, I think they know more than I do. (laughs) Um, No, I think they're... uh, if I was to explain the Sustainable Development Goals, I would also say that that it's 17 global goals that the United Nations created in 2015 and we were planning to achieve them by 2030. So they were based uh, around the fact that the, the world had the Millennium Development Goals, which ended in 2015, um, and they are sort of uh, considered somewhat of a success. So the idea was let's expand them to not just talk about poverty, but also talk about our planet as well and try and achieve this thing called sustainable development which is about making sure that we meet the needs of today without compromising the needs of future generations so the goals are meant to to bring the world together to be able to achieve these really big uh challenges and make sure that we, we we're rising to the occasion so i would definitely echo what they said
0: perfect we'll talk more about you know the the goals and whether we're achieving them or not later but um first i want to get into the research that you and your team have done um which is, I believe, it's led by Monash, but it's not just Monash University. It's a multiple universities have worked on uh, producing this report. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about this report and what it is?
1: I would love to. So basically, the Sustainable Development Solutions Network, uh, we, we are based at, at Monash in Australia, New Zealand and the Pacific. And we've got a youth branch and all of our jobs is really to help young people learn about the SDGs and, and sort of mobilize around them. And our thought process was we were sort of coming up uh, in conversation similar to the the Vox Pop audios that we just heard, that young people were sort of like, not sure if we would achieve the SDGs. So our question was, given that an 18-year-old today was only 10 years old when the goals were created, and they will be 25 when the goals end, they haven't really been a part of the process to create the goals. So realistically, we're sort of asking, do these SDGs represent the concerns of young people, and can they be used to measure um, the concerns of of youth? So um, I can dive into what we actually did, if you'd like.
0: Yes, yes. Can you tell us more um, about how, you know, data was collected and kind of like your main goals in the research?
1: Yeah, of course. So what we did first uh, to to make sure that we were using the issues that young people cared about the most is that we did some consultations across Australia, New Zealand and the Pacific to ask young people what which are the goals, targets and indicators that they most were concerned about. And so then we ended up having this short list of 20 concerns based around SDG targets and indicators. And so these 20 concerns covered things that you can imagine, climate change about poverty, cost of living crisis, about inequalities, about government transparency um, and basically we took those goals and we we made them into youth-specific indicators and we just searched anywhere and everywhere to try and find uh, data that was disaggregated into youth so that we could compare progress towards these targets and indicators that young people cared about uh, and comparing youth progress towards the general population process, progress, sorry, to make sure that uh, we we were sort of measuring whether or not young people were lagging behind. Because I think, um, you know, young people have been at the forefront of climate action movements, of cost of living crisis movements, and inequality movements. And I think it's all based on the fact that young people today are seeing themselves as being disproportionately impacted by these challenges. And so that was sort of another aim of the research, was to sort of back up these movements and to sort of show, uh, which we did, that young people are lagging behind the general population on a lot of the issues that they care about.
0: Yes, um, it's interesting because I did look at the the UN SDG report for this year as well. And while it is kind of grim, but uh, there are progress. But when I look at your report on youth, it's mostly negative. Uh, there's not much positivity on, on this report. And also, there's a lot of it, uh, a lot of the results is there's no data available. Why is that?
1: That's super interesting. Yeah, I think we're like the big sustainable development reports are super important because I, it is tracking the world's progress towards these goals. But I think what we are discovering and what our report sort of adds to is this recognition that not everyone is benefiting from the progress towards the SDGs and that, in fact, some people, particularly those who are marginalised, are not reaping the benefits of uh, growth, of economic growth um, and are sort of lagging behind. So, yeah, like I, I think it is a bit sad to see. But yeah, what we found was that young people where we could find data were lagging behind on issues such as mental health, on cost of living, on rent overburden, poverty, homelessness. Um, and then, as you said, there was also just like uh, not a lot of data. So we, we looked for anything that has um, disaggregated data into age. And unfortunately, not a lot of institutions are measuring this like the age differences or at least they're not making that data accessible so one of our concerns is that given we couldn't find this data maybe the policy makers and the drivers and the movers and shakers behind the SDGs do not have any understanding of how age is really impacting um, our progress towards the SDGs and we can also sort of expand that to probably other marginalised groups about how they are also um, being disproportionately impacted by these challenges and how they too are lagging behind in terms of this progress.
0: I see, and uh, I believe some of your colleagues are presenting the report at the UN. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what's happening over there?
1: Yeah, cool. So unfortunately, well, I, I we, we got it uh, in the door, but one of the big reports that uh, is coming out of Monash at the moment is actually the, uh, well, one of the lead scientists of the GSDR, which is the Global Sustainable Development Report, is a Monash scientist. So that's what they're re- uh, presenting at the moment. But yeah, the, what's happening at the moment is the world is coming together at the UN General Assembly and a part of that is this high level summit of the sustainable development goals so um, it's a congregation of all the people who are helping to progress the SDGs and this high level summit happens every four years but this year is particularly special because it's the midway point um, towards 2030 so and um, I, I think as you sort of alluded to the we're sort of lagging behind the progress we thought we would make. And as the um, students in, in your interviews rightly said, there's just probably we're not going to achieve any of the goals by 2030. So it's a little bit of a sad summit, um, but but that's what's going on at the moment at the UN.
0: Talking about the UN, um, we are talking about, you know, a kind of a global leadership and, you know, um, or the youth is looking at it and they're not very happy. The results are not really favoring them and you know they're looking at things as things I think um, you know can these leaders really lead us to a sustainable world uh, with climate uh, being so disastrously close to us climate um, disasters you know being so close to us we are experiencing a lot of uh, damages heat waves are coming and so there's a lot of question about that um, I'm going to play you another audio file from the UN Secretary General, and then we can talk more about that. Perfect. Humanity has opened the gates of hell. Horrendous heat is having horrendous effects. Distraught farmers watching crops carried away by floods, sweltering temperatures spawning disease, and thousands fleeing in fear as historic fires rage. Climate action is dwarfed by the scale of the challenge. If nothing changes, we are heading towards a 2.8 degree temperature rise, towards a dangerous and unstable world. Now, um, that is very distressing. And that is the UN Secretary General, the the world's top diplomat, um, saying those words, you know, that we are heading towards disaster. If he can't convince the world leaders, to change, you know, how can young people do it?
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) That is such an interesting question. Um, Yeah, I'm actually really grateful that he was so outspoken this summit. Like, it was really good to see him uh, really sort of turn on the heat a little. Sorry, bad pun probably. Um, I I don't know. I, I think one of the things that young people have is the fact that we have leverage as uh, the future consumers, voters, uh, citizens, uh, and the fact that if we're not happy with current systems, then there's really no hope because we're we're the ones sort of uh, that have to live in it and that will influence it one day. And so I guess there's more and more recognition that that is the case. And so um, I think what we're seeing is more and more fear about youth unrest. And I think we see that in the form of a lot of governments and now corporations creating youth advisory boards or youth advisory positions to try and include the position of youth because I think they are concerned that uh, if we let young people sort of uh, pull on the reins too much then the systems that they benefit from will just uh, you know will will crumble so I think uh, that's why a lot of these organizations uh, are putting in place these, uh, these youth advisory positions I think what youth need to do then is to keep advocating and keep putting that pressure on policymakers and the fact that you know we're the largest generation to have ever existed and the fact that our unrest could be you know detrimental to their systems so uh to make sure that they are progressing with us and that they are listening to our voices is the important thing and I I think um I think the thing is, we just have to keep pushing, keep advocating, and keep making people scared. <laughs> otherwise, uh, otherwise they get complacent, and um, I, I yeah, I I think it is. Uh, it's been a weird UN General Assembly and high-level summit because, as you said, um, Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, has sort of turned up his rhetoric. But for me personally, I think it's quite exciting to see.
0: Interesting. Um- now, kind of going back to to your um, report, to research that you have done, um, there is a lot of uh, quotes from from the the people that were interviewed in the focus groups, and then um, they're very interesting. Some of them, and I think to kind of sum it up, uh, what seems to be their concern is that, like you said, they're not being heard enough. Uh, their voices are not are kind of being sidelined, and um, you know what are the kind of things that these people the, the youth that you interviewed at least in your in your research what is it that they want to they want to be heard of you know and, and I mean of course you have the the specifics in, in the research wise but in a more kind of simple words what do you think that they want and how can they create that kind of activism
1: that's a really tough one um I think young people uh yes they want their voices to be heard but I do think uh, on top of that, young people want action based on what they say, right? I think post the 2019 uh, climate strikes, there's been so much frustration that, you know, the world's youth came out in huge numbers to show the world that they were upset. And the fact that not more action has happened is incredibly frustrating. So I think um, young people want their voices heard, but they want action created from those uh from that and I think a lot of uh, what we're seeing is uh, youth washing is the term we're sort of coining right it's that organizations and uh, governments are putting in place youth advisory councils or whatnot as sort of a tick box as a way to prove that they are being progressive but in reality they don't want to listen to our voices because they're afraid uh, that young people are talking more about, you know, anti-capitalism, about anti-liberalism, and that's really uh, not beneficial to to what they're doing. Um, so I think that's probably what young people uh, want is action. If you're looking for like the specific topics that young people particularly are are concerned about, I think obviously it's about climate change, and I think obviously it's about poverty and cost of living. But I, the thing is that all of these uh, topics are sort of related to one which is the fact that you know the, the global rich the global one percent the global rich uh, countries even they're the ones benefiting from all of the economic activities that are happening right now and that's destroying the planet and that's making uh creating more and more suffering so I think what young people want to see is more even distribution of wealth more even distribution of the benefits of economic um, development and growth and I think all of that is sort of the the underlining of of the report right it's that young people see themselves and the future that they have to live in as being compromised by what's happening now and that they want to see change happen. So very broad but very important.
0: Mm. And um, you mentioned about the SDGs kind of coming to a halfway point and it is not likely that they will be achieved at least. Uh, But I I believe that it's actually, you know, it's a good thing. It's kind of a step forward. I mean, you don't always achieve your goals but it is a kind of a wake-up call. It, and giving the world a kind of a direction to move towards something. And um, do you think that they will be abandoned or will they be reformed?
1: That's a really good question. And I do think there is something to what you just said. Like I really validate that, that I think that is very... Uh, I think the cracks are starting to show, right? The fact that we are nowhere near where we thought we would be halfway towards the SDGs, I think is a moment of reflection globally and really uh, like how do we go back to the drawing board because that's quite scary. And so I do validate your point about the fact that maybe this is the wake-up call, call for the world. Um, I, In terms of what will happen to the goals, the, uh, I do think that the... The rumours that are circulating are that the, the goals will continue and that they might continue until 2050. And I think that they might be altering, but there's quite large scale concern that we would never be able to renegotiate a new structure. So the idea is that since we already have the SDGs, we may as well keep going with them because they're already there. So that that's sort of what's happening high level. But I think what's happening on the ground is that this, this wake up call is also fostering distrust in in this system so i think that's sort of a message to you know the global policymakers out there um is that if the idea is to continue the sdgs post 2050 then it it has to be a huge reinvigoration and a huge uh effort to try and create trust um because i think young people in particular are sort of uh losing their trust in the SDGs and so if we, I, th- I think we're creating fatigue, right? I think that's a word we hear a lot, is that young people will not use this structure because they are fatigued and, and frustrated that not more is happening. So uh, I think they will probably continue the goals but I worry that without the newness and shine of the goals that that really hinders any progress even if we do continue them on.
0: Well, thank you very much uh, for coming here and having this interview with us, Isabel. It was a very interesting chat and I hope that our listeners enjoyed it as well.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I, I want to make sure as well that people don't feel too doom and gloom out there. I think it is really important, the fact that the UN Secretary General is also echoing the concerns of young people. That's a really exciting thing. And I think young the youth voice was something that was brought up a few times at the the high-level level summit. So I do think there is some movement and momentum, but... Um, that you know young people really uh I know it's exhausting to be in these spaces but it is important that we do take up the space that we deserve so I really appreciate the the platform to come on here and and to talk about this topic